Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We ask that you bless this time as we continue our study through the book of the covenant. Pray that you would help by your spirit um, what seems to us to be just a list of laws to be displayed as the true word of God that means and points to something greater than what just appears on the page. That each of these rules is grounded in the in your nature and expressed cultural um, picture of who you are and who you've revealed yourself to be. So we pray that we would see that and we would glory in that and that we would be captivated by the beauty of you and what you've done for us in Christ. Pray for that in his name. Amen. All right, we are continuing in Exodus 21, starting in verse 18. We're going through what's called by the smart folks in the seminaries um, as the Book of the Covenant. We spent some time in the Ten Commandments, and the past few weeks we've gone through portions of the Book of the Covenant. One of the things we've noticed as we've gone through it is that these laws find their grounding in the Ten Commandments. Each one is um, an expression for that time and place, that cultural time and place, of how the nature of God works out in their community. And we used a couple of big words to describe it. Sorry. One is hunger. And the other is thank God. I think that's one word. Um, thank you for bringing that. Please feel free to pass it around. We'll break bread and pigs together. A couple of words that we used, uh, that we've been using to describe what's going on here. One is prescriptive and the other is descriptive. Do you remember? I know it's been a week. Remember what that means? Why is that important to know? Prescriptive, what is that? Prescriptive is like this is the law and then descriptive is like this is why this is how it applies in certain situations. Okay, so prescriptive would be like the Ten Commandments, would, would be the Ten Commandments. It's eternal. It reflects God's nature. Uh, the descriptive law, the book of the covenant that we're reading through now, and the other laws that we're going to get to, show how that nature is reflected within time and space, within the culture. And today, uh, let's see, we talked about slavery laws uh, two weeks ago, which was interesting. And then we talked about capital punishment last week, which was interesting. And then this week, we're talking about assault and battery. <laughs> Didn't know this was going to be law school, did you? All right, here we go. Now I realize why you like it so much. <laughs> so we're looking at laws that deal with personal physical attacks against others that do not result in death. And we would call them assaults in our culture. Um, let's look at verse 18. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, 
he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. <laughs> what in the world are we going to do with this? What do you do with this? Every word of God proves true, right? It's all profitable? Yes? Yes? It's descriptive. It's descriptive. So what do we do with this? Well, let's go through it and see what it says in a little bit more detail. Look at verse 18. The first case that he talks about. I love the way, I love the, way the ESV says it. Uh, the NASB and the NIV say if a man strikes or if, a man, if men quarrel. In the ESV it says when men quarrel. It's going to happen. And when that happens, here's what we deal with. You got... Two guys having a verbal argument, and one resorts to using um, aggressive negotiations, right, with his fist, and some other persuasive blunt force instrument, possibly. I don't know. What happens if the victim dies? What does it say? What does it say? If he dies, he's punished. How? We went through this last week, right? It's a 12 through 14. If, if you kill a guy... If it's intentional, you die. There's no getting out of that. If it's unintentional, then you've got possible city of refuge thing going on there, some kind of asylum. Maybe he's dealt with uh, by the courts later and dies eventually if they determine it, but there's that cooling off period. But if he does not die, and that's what's in, in view here, what's the punishment? What's the punishment? Okay. And what, how does it express itself here? What does it say? What is our what is our perp required to do here? Go to court. He's he's got to pay money, or 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 two things have to happen. He's not deserving of debt. That's the important thing. The other thing is, he has to pay for the victim's loss of time, loss of time from work, and compensation to employer if there is one. And then two, he must ensure that the victim heals properly, and all that entails, including. Medical bills. So you got loss of income, and you got medical bills, and you got to have somebody represent you to make these claims, right? How they get paid? Usually one third. Um, it goes way back. 
we see the value in, <laughs> in, in I, I laughed with somebody. I said, do you realize that my whole income is based upon the misery of others? <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. That's why everybody loves you all. I know, I can feel it. And, and, and accountants too. Um, so there you have a, a recognition, a biblical recognition, for the time value of someone's injuries based on an assault. Loss of work, loss of health. And it says, it doesn't just say, let me pay you some money. It doesn't just say that. It says, they've got to make sure he's healthy. You've got to keep making sure this guy gets back to normal. This is not just come up with a quick settlement and be done with it. It puts the obligation on the, on the perpetrator to make it right. You see that? What does that tell you? Being made in the image of God is important. It's important. And what is this grounded in? A couple of things. I, I, is this God's justice? Okay. Yes, his justice. And, and if we're saying that this is descriptive, and it's, based, it's grounded in a prescriptive law, what laws do you think would be in view here from the prescriptive standpoint? You shall not steal. Good. Or murder. Jesus redefines, well, I say redefines, points out that the do not murder it involves a heart issue, and that's what's going on here. What else? Is there anything else? No, it's not just nothing else. Covet uh, is the heart of stealing. Okay. And um, at the heart of everything is idolatry. Okay. Not putting God first. So Good. This is the first one. Right. So we're right back to the top, aren't we? Yes. Because the guy hits the guy to get a right judgment in his mind. I'm right. You're wrong. He puts himself in the place of God. He becomes the avenger himself. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Let's move on. Twenty to twenty-one. Does it bother you, that phrase, the slave is his money? Just, just deal with it. It's the elephant in the room. That is, there it is. El- big old elephant, slave elephant. No, just like we talked about last time, I mean, that's how it worked. The slave was paying back a debt. Okay. Well, an employer today looks at an employee as money. Sure. That's- and so if the employee shows up late, do we take a rod to him? Depends what job. <laughs> Yes. I have a question. It says, um, if the slave survives a day or two, does that mean like if he lives for two days and then he dies? Or if no. he survives? No, if he survives. If it shows. Well, usually if they made it a couple of days. They're going to be all right. And because it talks about. <laughs> yeah. It's just, a, it's just a flesh wound. It's a, really. It's a, yeah. Well, let's quickly, look at, let's quickly look at what's not permitted here. Not doing the weekend with Bernie on the slave. Um, what what is what is at, uh, at at issue here? What what is not permitted? If he beats him, knocking babies out. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Dealing with twenty to twenty-one. We'll get to babies in a minute. <laughs> you can't kill him. That's kind of an important thing. If you're going to have an indentured servanthood situation. Um, we said it before, we'll say it again. The, the laws on slavery in Israel were radical. They were radical for the culture. 
uh, you get an indentured servant in some other culture, you work them to death the first two years they're there. Uh, they do something wrong, you, you can beat them to death. They're your property. You can do whatever you want to with them. Not here. You can't. If you decide to use a rod to discipline a slave, which it doesn't condemn, it recognizes that's an issue, but be careful. Uh, you put out an eye, he goes free. And I think that that is metaphorical for other things too. Uh, but you maim him or, or damage him, uh, he goes free. If you uh, kill him, well, you're, it's the same as killing a free man, right? Uh, if, if he, if, um, w- what happens here? Uh, the, the language avenged literally means to suffer vengeance. So if you have all this going on, what's the significance of surviving a day or two? We talked about that a, sec- a second ago. What, what does that show about motive? Okay. And it also proves another thing. Uh, he didn't mean to kill him if he survives. I mean, if he meant to kill him, he'd do it right then, is the, is the understanding here. Um, so the intent, again, it doesn't mean he won't be punished. It just means that he isn't immediately killed. It, it kicks you back into the asylum issue in verses uh, 12 through 14 that we talked about last week. What does he suffer if it's not uh, vengeance on his person, what does he suffer? Money, the loss of money. H- why? Because why? the slave is his money. The slaves are the ones that work the fields and the You got a limited time with the slave, don't you? If it's an indentured servant situation, you got six years. And every day he's in the bed because you beat him, you're losing money. Is that punitive damages? <laughs> no. That's a straight actual. Um, we'll talk about punitive in a minute. Okay, uh, that's a straight actual. So, wh- what does it recognize? It almost seems to say that slaves have the same rights as, pe- as free men. Yeah. Because the, if, you, if, if a slave was not a person and it was just property and somebody killed property, mm. it's kind of like you replace the property, but the person doesn't really suffer any harm. I can cut down a tree, it doesn't matter. Right. But you cut this, down a person, it matters. This says that slaves have rights, that they're people made in God's image, right. along with free, free men. A radical notion for the time. Okay. The clock is ticking. He's got six years. He's wasted the time that he had with his indentured servant to work for him because he got ticked off. Not to... Uh, not, not the typical thing in the culture. All right, looking at verse 22. It's odd language here. Here we have an out-and-out brawl. And what it results in... Oh, that's bad construction. It results in a... In what it results in. Oh, good grief, I can't do the prepositions. Um, anyway, they hit a pregnant woman, and she gets premature birth. Right? So, what's the punishment here? Because the woman's husband imposes the She's fine. Baby's fine. What's the problem? Too small. Can't work the field just yet? What's, why? A fine. There was an attack. 
There was an attack. She was unintentional. She was collateral damage to their brawl. It was almost intentional because it says at the beginning when men strive together. That almost states intention. Well, against each other. The idea is that this was an unintentional. I see what you're saying. The language is a little weird. But, but it, in, in the context, it's talking about an unintentional hit of her. Not, they're intentional with each other, <laughs> but okay. unintentional with her. Okay. But nobody's hurt. Just a little early. You're expecting to give birth anyway. Just a little early. Okay. The emotional trauma. I wasn't expecting this today. Yeah, this is. But but what is it under? What is it? What is it um, pointing to here? Accountability for what? For our actions. It's just a woman. Right? Isn't that the culture? It's just a woman. What's the problem? Women and children are made in the image of God as well. Another radical notion for the time. They're not useful to us yet. The children, they're just, you know, make more. But that's the, no, that's the idea here. Again, there's value. I'm just playing character. Don't. That's not way I'm really. No, I'm just trying to show the demonstrate the culture of the time. It's a radical notion. There's no question that the one who struck her will be surely fined. It says in the ESV, and the fine is set by the husband, and then the judges act as final approval. Why have the judges just have the husband come out there? Unjust. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Be careful where you fight. So, um, the judges are the final arbiters of what is a just penalty, a just amount. What does that tell you? Even in this situation, what is what is in view here? Sorry, I'm not sure what you're asking, but it's kind of like another picture of the asylum. Okay. There's, there's that retribution that the husband right. might want right. immediately and go overboard. Exactly. Are, are just... Go overboard either with his own form of aggressive negotiations or with exacting too high of a sum. So you have a third party, a group of judges, who, who put limits on meeting the demands of justice. What does that tell you? That's another situation. It shows structure and authority that God has put in place over these people. And it also shows that we are dependent upon one another, that we are not our own boss, our own judge, mm-hmm. that we need other people. In the heat of a fight, your emotions take over and sure. you're untrusted. You yeah. trust yourself. Yeah. And so, so there is a right of the husband to exact a penalty from the guy who hit his wife and caused the premature birth. But it is tempered with the guys who are not involved in the situation, who are judges, respected, supposedly wiser, not in the heat of the moment. Actually protecting. Protecting the perpetrator yeah. from being abused on the other end. Yeah, Very the good. New Testament thing of this is um, we are not to, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Right. We as believers aren't supposed to enact 
vengeance mm -hmm. and get our right retribution from someone else, we leave it to God. God yeah. is the judge. Yeah. It's that future, it's not our responsibility. We are to behave the way that we're supposed to behave. God meets out reparations, not us. Right. Okay. Um, and what does that show about the potential for sin on either side of this? You have guys striving together. They hit the woman. She gives premature birth. They could say, well, she's just a woman and move on. Well, that shows a disregard for the value of human life, the disregard for their actions. And if you go the other way, and he's doing too much in penalty, you have him being in the place of God. I am the judge. I'm the, you know, you have a, a check and balance there. Interesting. A check and balance. Okay. What happens? Oh, wait a minute. This is interesting. But there is no harm, it says. If the, if the baby comes out and there is no harm, to whom? I'll assume either the woman or the baby. Yeah, I would think so. There's no object to the harm. It leaves it wide open. What does that tell you? What does it tell you? That's right. But it's just, you know, tissue. Okay. Moving on. Both the mother and the child are covered by this law. What happens if there is harm to mother or child? Life for life. Life for life. So if they lose the baby, this tissue causes the man to lose his life. Or his eye, his tooth, his hand, his foot, burn, wound, or strike. It'll be difficult to prove that you lost a tooth with a baby, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go, yeah. Some of them. Little, little beavers. No, that's a good point. They don't say child for child. Child's life is equivalent to perpetrator's life. Right. Good point. Right. Very good point. Very good point. The one who struck. Okay. The one who struck the woman. Even though it was two lives that he took? He can't die twice. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, gen uh, generally speaking. <laughs> Lazarus would argue this. <laughs> All right. So you have a clear recognition that the child and the mother are in the image of God and life is precious and both deserve retaliation. And it even goes after that situation into a description of what we call uh, the law of retaliation. The smart guys call it lex talionis. The punishment must fit the crime measure for measure. And the idea here is that the punishment is based upon the principle that within the crime itself is a very pattern for its punishment. Within the crime itself, it's a pattern for the punishment. So you, you knock out a tooth, you, you lose a tooth. Pick a back one. Uh, you lock out an eye. That would be interesting. We're getting there. Um, 
Is that, did, did the children's Bible tell you to ask that question? Or? <laughs> so you have a, uh, a, a clear expression here at this point of the law of retaliation. We see this pattern of punishment as um, uh, barbaric in our time, I think. Yes? I think I think he can choose. Okay. Because I was thinking, well, if you like, if you cut off like a man's right hand, but then the perpetrator would, his left hand was dominant, it would be fair. Ask the rabbis. <laughs> that's that's how they had like ten volumes of rabbinical law off of this stuff. Is those kinds of situations. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, we're not we're not given that specific. But then, but then you'd have double jeopardy if a guy cut off somebody's right ear and lost his right ear. He could cut off as many right ears as he wanted to keep his left ear. Now, everybody eat a pig in the blanket, and we'll move on. Okay, so here we are. Uh, later rabbinical teaching actually found that, um, that they could, rather than lose their ear or their eye or their tooth, pay money. Uh, that's how the rabbis dealt with it. I don't see warrant for that in the Bible. Um, he was serious about <laughs> retaliation or about retribution. Um, I think there are a few instances where, where the, um, the guy that, that struck or killed something was able to pay money if it was an animal or, or something along those lines. But not, not much give there um, elsewhere. Kevin, I think it's interesting that in uh, at least in my heart, I read this and I'm like, oh yeah, that's fair. It's like there's a a moral uh, writing on my heart that says, yeah, this is right, this is fair, mm-hmm. this is the way that things should be. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, look at 26 and 27. The, the, the idea that you pay money instead of your eye or your tooth, one of those exceptions might be here. What happens to the master if the slave loses an eye or tooth in his discipline frenzy? Does he lose an eye or tooth? The slave goes free. That's right. That's right. So if you cause him to lose a tooth in the first year, you just bought five years of debt that you didn't get paid for. That's, I mean, I've been to the dentist recently. I think Audrey had her... Yeah, it's 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 a five year deal. Um, it notice that it does not sanction the mistreatment of slaves, but instead of the master losing an eye, the slave gets something even greater: his freedom. I would think. That's when you ask the master, was it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> um. This is different than the laws, the other laws in the Near East. The Code of Hammurabi, for example, if this happens, it says that the master should pay one half of the value of the slave. has a little to do with the good of the slave and a lot to do with the fact that it's property. Not so in Israel. He gets his freedom. All right. Do you see... In discussing these laws, um, 
any limitation placed on whom they were supposed to apply, to whom they were supposed to apply. One of the prepositions whom they were supposed to apply. Do you, do you, no, do you, do you see a limitation on a segment of society to whom these laws were to apply? It's everybody. Does that <coughs> does that seem odd but for the culture? This is only uh, between Israelites, isn't it? Yes. Hebrews, is that what your Hebrew, is that what your state Bible tells tells you? No. Okay. Because <laughs> we're going to get to that next week. Okay. Well, yeah. So uh, they're not supposed to impose these laws on foreigners. What if there's a sojourner? Like, we'll, we'll we'll get to those next week. Or or. In future weeks. So, as Christians, we can't in, like, make a non-Christian act like a Christian, is what I'm saying. Mm. No. Yes, that's true. We should not, ex but I don't know that I would get that from this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not limited. I guess the point I'm trying to pull out here. It's not limited to just... Slaves. The law of retaliation is not limited to slaves. It's, it, it is broad in its application right. to well, those who do the things. Like, like nationality. True. Yes. Um, kind of going off something that Ty said. Okay. What Always dangerous. Think, <laughs> what do you think the difference is between um, moral truths that should apply to everyone and Christian laws that should only apply to Christians in terms of like legislation? Hmm. Go ahead. I'm not sure I understand your question. You mean should we obey the law? No, I'm saying like should we as Christians support politicians who wish to put Christian laws as American laws? Like, where's the the cutoff between laws that should apply to everyone and laws that only? Give me an example. Talk about gay marriage. Well, yeah, like gay marriage. Okay. Obviously, Christians aren't going to do that, but. Should we strive to abolish or to, to make that illegal for everyone, or is that only something that, that Christians should? Well, all laws display a worldview. If I'm gonna, if I'm going to argue for the proper way to govern a country, say I'm a legislature, um, and if I'm going to argue for the proper way to to govern. In, in, say, an area of marriage, I'm going to be pulling from my worldview on what that should look like. Yeah, so a pagan uh, will do the same. So, because I know that my conviction is one that's based on the Bible, should I hold back while the pagan argues very vehemently for his secular worldview? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, arguing for uh, the reality, that you know, the, the worldview. God is ultimate reality, and He, what He says, is true, and that's where I'm arguing from. I, I make no bones about that, and I, it, as a legislature, I think Christian legislatures make no bones about that. At least I hope they don't. Um, the pagan will do the same thing. So what you have is a clash of, of you have a collision, um, where you have a clash of worldviews. 
That's not, I don't think we should back down from that. If that's, if that's what you're asking. Well, sure. No, that's a hard. That. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I and and it would be goofy to. Well, again, what's prescriptive? What's descriptive? I'm pulling from what's prescriptive, and and trying to use wisdom and discernment to apply it descriptively in my time and place. So would you say, like, in terms of, like, a legislator, that they should fight for um, prescriptive laws, but, like, the descriptive laws of the Bible shouldn't necessarily... I think they should argue for descriptive laws from a prescriptive presupposition. I think that, that I view abortion as murder because God said don't murder. And he created man in his image. And it's still illegal to kill someone in our society, too, right? Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like some of them obviously have some overlap that like, pretty sure. much anyone would say it's wrong to kill someone. Well, they wouldn't necessarily say... Depends on what you define as someone. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, 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 that, and, that's, the, and that's where you, you have to use wisdom and discernment. How does this apply here? I'm just wondering like, how much should it overlap? Like, Do I think we need to pay a temple tax in America? No. I don't. Uh, that's time and that's time and space. That's cultural Israel. Do I think that we need to have laws in the books dealing with with what is the proper picture of marriage? I'm going to argue from my worldview that it's between one man and one woman for for life. That's my worldview. Just as much as somebody else may argue from their worldview that it could be the grass in the field for all you care. I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of where you are. Um, sure. Right. So we are part of America. So let's think about Solomon more. He chose the whole town, not just. Yeah, and, and, but he didn't find ten righteous there. So we're working on it. We're, 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 <laughs> I think you should start with California. But anyway, we're moving on. To, go ahead. What else? What else? Somebody else is gonna say something. Um, I'm thinking about like, yeah. Constantinople. Uh huh. Now it's Istanbul. Well, back then. What? Why did it change? When, when Constantine um, became uh, the ruler, emperor, or whatever he was, um, it was just like a pagan nation, and mm -hmm. everybody was just doing whatever. Right. And he was a Christian, so he brought his worldview, and it changed completely changed the government. And said Christianity is the religion, and just kind of everybody got accepted into uh, sure. Christianity. Yeah. And it watered down the church yeah. so that it made it ineffective. Yeah, they did not take church membership seriously in Constantinople. Yeah, no, it was just everybody's in. Yeah. So that is something to think about, along with if you have like a pagan legislator right. that's going to bring his pagan worldview in. Well, we're supposed to um, submit to that authority, but at the same time, don't go against the word of God. Mm -hmm. But I guess you just like stay in your role, like as a lawyer, you do what you do, you you fight for your worldview, mm -hmm. you you know influence people that are in your circle mm -hmm. and vote and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, but it just kind of changes, like, spreads out like a spider. But that argument is serious. We are a democracy, and we get to that. Yeah, exactly. He gave the laws. He didn't give it to the worldwide. He gave it to his people. Sure. He called his own, and they called him. Right. Yeah, right. So there's a mutual, yes, I want this. I'm here under
outside. We don't live in a theocracy. We don't. We we all weren't at Sinai, um, and yet we were. But that's a whole other issue. Um, so there there is the idea of uh, we're not Israel as America. Some may think we are, but we're not. Marco, we're, we're we're not. That's not us. But as a Christian, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna argue for what does the descriptive law in my nation look like based upon what is eternal, what is fundamental, what is uh, metaphysically what is <laughs> there's a good word. Uh, what, what is the ultimate reality from which I work? Culture changes one person, one argument at a time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming back to the original question. Yes, that, that's very good. You are like a bulldog on the question. That's excellent. Um, so yes, no limits applied uh, on 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 who uh, on who is under the law. Uh, now here's something interesting. In talking about applying it in time and space. Turn to Matthew five uh, thirty eight. wise man. Um, Randy Randall did, though, and he did a good job. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said, this is in red, so it's really inspired. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oops, wrong one. You have heard that it was said, that's why I didn't want to preach on the Sermon on the Mount, because you get confused with it, you've heard that it was said. Um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, hmm, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So Jesus basically abrogated all that we just discussed on the law of retaliation. Is that what we're saying? It means did away with it. It is now no more. He's taking it to the heart. He's taking it to the heart. The Sermon on the Mount is the Sermon to the Heart, I think. Um, what, is, what are we talking about here? Is he saying, let's do away with Exodus 21, 25, 24 and 25? What's going on in this time period? What's going on with the law of retaliation here? Roman occupation, yet the Jews were allowed to do their own law to an extent, and this was one of them. The law of retaliation was, uh, or did I say retaliation, retribution, uh, was, was in play here. And what was going on was the Pharisees, or the, le the leadership in Israel, <laughs> was every time somebody committed a crime, they would impose the, to the T, the exact harshest penalty that could happen. They were very legalistic in their application of it. They were, they were, there was no quarter. You had to do, you know, exactly to the measure of what injury you had done to the person, uh, the victim. Yes? It was, it really was like a mercy. Like, if he 
him. Right. Right. What Jesus is saying here is you can be even more and isn't that what's going on? He had just talked about uh, uh, divorce. He had talked about false witness. He had talked about uh, murder in the heart. He had done all these things. He didn't say, if you murder somebody, uh, we're not doing the death penalty anymore. He pushed it to the heart. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were getting the law wrong in that they were not interpreting it fully. And that's what he's showing, showing here. There's allowance for mercy in the law. And yet these guys are pushing everything to the end. And yes, Lex Talionis was a mercy in, in, in back when it was given because you poke my eye out, I'm coming at you for a blood vengeance thing. We talked about that last week. But even here, they're using that to, to do the most severe punishment that they can do. No room for mercy. No matter what the circumstances, they would always pick the most severe punishment. And the, the Torah, the law, was not as unyielding as they were. There's an irony here. Their um, penalties for punishment without mercy, exacting from people exactly to the nth degree, to the nth degree what they deserved, is ironic, don't you think? Restitution is an essential in Hebrew law, but restitution is a picture of something more than the value of eyes, teeth, or being laid up in bed after a fight. It's a picture of something bigger than the premature birth of a child or even the death of a person. Restitution becomes really concrete when we apply this principle to our crimes against God. Isn't that the picture here? What's the glory of God worth? Our assault on him through our rebellion, what's it worth? Can we really fathom that our rebellion against God deserves eternal conscious torment in hell? Is that not overwhelming? Is it really that bad? Retribution. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, what's the value of the glory of God? That's unfair, isn't it? My life is temporary. Why should I suffer eternally for something temporary? We don't get the depths of our sin. We don't get the depths of it. We don't get the depth of our rebellion against the Creator. We don't see it as heinous. What would you tell God the value of His glory is? Yeah, it's not eternity, God. It's it's this. Yeah. It's worth more than that, isn't it? Right. This is a hard doctrine when we think about this. But that's the picture here. God is a God of justice. And the justice that he shows between us and he demands between us is a picture of the justice that he is entitled to as the creator who's been 
rebelled, and spit upon. Paul, thinking about the reality of hell for the lost in Israel, says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Do we understand enough about the reality of restitution for our own rebellion? If we don't, I would say that we do not understand the depths of the mercy that he has shown for us only in Christ. Lex Talionis is an operation at the cross. How? Hebrews 10 says this. It's a quote. Then I, and this is Christ talking, the writer of Hebrews is applying this to Jesus. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Animals aren't enough for lex talionis. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. <coughs> measure for measure. It's done. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. They're never enough which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying... This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Notice the plural in that passage. A single sacrifice for sins, perfected for all time those plural. Remember their sins, their lawless deeds, no more, through one sacrifice. We see just retribution in our passage in Exodus is needed for every act. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. But look at the worth of Christ. One sacrifice for all time. Measure for measure. Only he could do it. And in his laying down his life, in his living out the life that we should have lived, and dying the death that we should have died, living out his obedience to the law, and suffering death in obedience, paying the penalty for his people who had broken the law, God, the victim of our crimes, displays his justice. And because of his great love for his people, displays his freedom to forgive his people, measure for measure. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What are you going to do to fix that? You don't have enough teeth in your head. And are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
and only in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. He made right the relationship between God and man by his blood to be received by faith. You've got to trust him. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. He hadn't enacted the law of retribution previous times. He forbeared. He waited on it. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He takes it upon himself to mete out the full measure of punishment due to us and then freely gives it to those who trust. I think that's where Lex Talionis is pointing to. It's the cross. Any questions? Comments? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that your scripture points us to Jesus always and the beauty that you have worked through him to our benefit and that he took upon himself what only he could do which is to become satisfaction for judgment and the window to your freedom to forgive us and have mercy on us as you see fit Father, I pray that we would be grateful and thankful and then freely show mercy as we have been shown mercy. Not holding petty things against each other or others. But because of the great salvation that you've given us in Christ, we would be free not to exact measure for measure but to point others to the mercy of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.